Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. that your very favorite snacks, including microwave popcorn, protein bars, maybe the dairy-free milk alternative that you're using on a daily basis could be significantly harming your gut health and therefore your whole body health. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Mills and welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show. I'm a medical doctor with a root cause on health. And I'm here to take super complicated science and breaking it down into easy to understand information so that you can start acting right away to achieve your best health. And today we're going to be talking about how ultra processed food additives harm your gut microbiome health and your hormone balance. Actually, this is a big one. The hormone balance piece, I wasn't even aware of the effect that ultra processed foods could have on your hormone balance until I dove really deep into the topic in preparation for this show. So if you're joining me live, put in your name and where you're joining from in, in the comments, I'd love to say hi and ask your questions. That's the benefit of joining live. So let's do a tiny review because my last show was on the gut microbiome and the surprising effects it has on your whole body health, the many roles that it has. And in order to understand this conversation, you need to have at least a basic understanding of what is the gut microbiome. And it is a community living inside of you made up of bacteria, viruses, uh, fungi, protozoa, and they live all over the place, but the gut microbiome specifically is the, the community living inside your gut. So from your mouth, esophagus, stomach, small intestine, large intestine. And it lives on the mucus that's on top of your gut and it helps basically protect your gut. And it has multiple functions in the body. When it's healthy, when the gut microbiome is healthy, it supports your health. And the multiple functions range from a direct effect on your gut health, like maintaining that healthy mucus lining that covers and coats your gut, all the way through to nutrition, making B vitamins, uh, other essential nutrients. It helps in metabolism. Uh, it, it, it affects your blood sugar response to food. It helps with detoxification of heavy metals and medications and estrogen. It helps your immune system. It regulates inflammation. It has impacts on your pain pathways. It, it impacts your heart health, your brain health, your hormone health, your bone, your skin. I mean, it's, it's actually quite intensely important. And so if you haven't heard of this yet, you might want to watch the last episode as well called The Gut Microbiome, um, The Surprising Effects on Whole Body Health. And you can catch that on the Gut Health playlist uh, on YouTube. Or if you're listening to this on podcast, it would have been the most recent episode. And what we do know and what I covered extensively was that when they are harmed through unknowingly through things that we do uh, on a daily basis, it negatively affects our health and harm to our gut microbiome has been linked to our health problems such as weight gain 
hormone imbalances, skin irritations, diabetes, hypertension, stroke, heart attacks, that midsection weight gain that sometimes plagues us uh, in middle age or even younger these days, depression, dementia, Alzheimer's disease, cancer, autoimmune disorders, even osteoporosis and osteoarthritis, it's all been linked to problems with the gut microbiome. And the reason for this is because when we kill the good guys in there, they can't do their function well. So we have lack of function in our body and the, you know, the space that is left by the good guys is then potentially occupied by some bad guys, some bad bacteria and viruses and fungi and protozoa. And it's not that they're bad, it's just that they don't have good functions in their body and they can actually cause damage in our body. So what we're going to be talking about today is the facts and we're going to be going into the science because it's fascinating stuff. Like I really am so excited to share all of this with you and stay tuned to the end because I'm going to be showing you some things that you're probably having every day that are harming your gut microbiome and therefore predisposing you to future health problems, if not already contributing to ones that you're already experiencing. And that is the fact that one of the biggest killers of the gut microbiome are food additives that we find in ultra processed foods. Um, and I have here Brittany Williams uh, uh, saying hi. Uh, hi, Brittany. Today we were talking about the gut microbiome. Uh, she's interested in endometriosis and fibroids. And guess what? The gut microbiome is connected to the development of endometriosis and fibroids. So when you learn about the gut microbiome, as I'm teaching here today, you're actually going to learn information that will help uh, you and anybody else on their journey with endometriosis and fibroids. And remember, the reason for that is because the gut microbiome impacts our hormone production for better or for worse. It also can create inflammation in the body when it's been harmed or when it's unhealthy due to things like these food additives. So yes, you must pay attention to this episode if you're experiencing any problems with hormones, endometriosis, fibroids, um, ovarian cysts, polycystic ovarian syndrome, infertility, problems with menopause, like it's, it really is important. And for me, it was one of the big game changers when I had my problems with hormones and balances and how it was affecting my menstruation and menstrual pain and all those things. So definitely keep paying attention. This is for you. <laughs> so what are ultra processed foods? Because, you know, when I got into this, um, I didn't think I was eating much ultra processed foods. And actually, boy, was I wrong because it's hiding out in many of our daily foods that we've just become used to eating as part of the modern, you know, mostly Western, but now global, unfortunately, because that Western way of eating is spreading. And some examples are mass produced bread, bread that's lasting on the shelf for longer than a week, bread that is not, um, you know, made in a baker and fresh and goes moldy within a few days. All of that kind of bread is ultra processed by definition and has food additives, crackers, cereals, breakfast, Cereals, highly ultra-processed foods with food additives, dairy-free milk. So if you're eating, you're having like almond milk or soy milk or cashew milk or whatever have you milk, most of them, with few exceptions, which I'll cover, have these harmful food additives. Protein bars, you know, that's where I was going wrong. Protein powders, lots of food additives if you're not getting the right kind. Microwave popcorn, that was a big one in my life anyways ice cream, unless it's freshly made with that fresh cow's cream or, you know, very clean coconut milk base, 
It's got lots of food additives. Carbonated drinks, you know, those ones that have the flavors added in to taste good. Unfortunately, food additives, fruit flavored yogurt, okay, the ones that have that, those added um, fruit flavors, lots of it, uh, and instant soups. So just to give you a range, but obviously there's more. There's, I'm not mentioning the ones that are obvious, like the chips and, you know, the, the junk food. Right. This is more like the things that you might not have guessed had problematic food additives. So what we have here is that what are food additives? We have the classes of emulsifiers. So these are the things that are added to preserve shelf life and provide some texture. Artificial sweeteners to help it taste better. Colorants, obviously, to give the color and preservatives, again, to keep it lasting longer on the shelf. There are actually over 22 categories of food additives, and every country is different in terms of what it allows and doesn't allow. It depends on their risk tolerance for how much they think it's going to harm health versus, you know, support the economy by allowing the food additives and these foods to be made. So, for example, in um, European Union, it's around 1,500 kinds of additives are permitted at this point in time. This is 2023 about more than 2,000 in China, more than 4,000 in the United States. So United States has a very extensive list of permissible food additives. And I couldn't find the exact number in, in Canada. I do know that they allow about 15 categories of food additives uh, with a, many within those categories. So there are natural versus artificial food additives. And what you have to understand is that the um, artificial food additives are very um, popular because they are um, more stable and they're cheaper and they're more predictable, they're more uniform. So I'm gonna give an example and I see here, um, Brittany is saying, I believe it. Yes, I believe that the gut microbiome could be connected to my endometriosis and fibroids and, and whatnot, right? So yes, thank you. I'm glad you believe it because some people actually don't. And I'm gonna show you the science that, that proves that it does. So uh, we're going to use an example to start off with, okay? And this is the example of emulsifiers. And you actually can find emulsifiers in over 90% of all packaged foods, including bread. So it could be a, a healthy, you know, quote, unquote, healthy whole wheat bread, organic bread, um, you know, uh, even sprouted bread. But if it has these food additives, it is going to cause harm to your gut health. So finding that fresh sourdough bread, um, you know, the Ezekiel bread that you find in the freezer section because it, it doesn't have preservatives, so it goes bad. So they have to keep it in the freezer section to keep it there longer. So finding those um, very fresh breads is very important. And you can either have a natural emulsifier like lecithin, or you can have an artificial one like carboxymethylcellulose, or I'm going to call it CMC here for short. Um, and again, it's found in around 90% of packaged foods. So this is important. So why uh, why are these emulsifiers allowed? Okay. So let's let's look in on CMC. It was approved in the 1960s for use in food concentrations up to two percent by regulatory agencies, including the U.S. FDA and the European Commission. So why was it allowed, uh, even though it hadn't been very studied? And the reason is because they at the time they knew that it wasn't very well absorbed into the body. So they said, well, if it stays in the gut and doesn't get into the human body, what kind of harm could it do? Well, at the time, they did not know about the gut 
microbiome and the potential harm that this could have on the gut microbiome and how harming the gut microbiome could harm our health. So since then, there's been a number of studies and it started off with studies in animals as it should, right? So they started off in mice and chicken and what they found was horrific. It caused metabolic syndrome. And if you don't know, it's that midsection weight gain, the abdominal weight gain, uh, hypertension, high cholesterol, increasing blood sugars that, you know, puts you at risk for type 2 diabetes. Uh, It caused gut inflammation called colitis. In these animals, it actually caused gut inflammation. And you know that gut inflammation is a root cause for inflammatory bowel disease, cancer, uh, all the things. All the things I already listed have some element of gut inflammation involved. And it caused small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. So it caused the good guys to die off, the bad guys to grow, and the gut microbiome to grow where it shouldn't in larger numbers. So there should not be a lot of gut microbiome in the small intestine. And when you have overgrowth there, it's called small intestinal bacterial or fungal. If it's a fungal overgrowth. And that can cause belly bloating, right? Very common problem, cramping, diarrhea, constipation. So those can be early signs of gut microbiome dysfunction. And if you don't recognize and address it, then you can get all those long-term consequential effects. So that was one thing I was having was the bloating with eating and constipation, right? Some people gas belching, farting, that kind of thing. So then finally, in just in 2022, so a year ago at the time of this recording, right, attending this live show now, um, was the first study in humans where they gave CMC in what is called the randomized control trial type of study, which is the highest quality kind of study that can be done where they take a group of people, they randomize them, randomly put them into two different groups, give one group, um, they gave one group the CMC, the other group they didn't give the CMC, otherwise their diet was exactly the same, very well controlled, very high quality study, and they looked at what happened to the gut microbiome, and they even took biopsies, like little pieces of tissue from the gut to see what was happening with the gut itself, like this very interesting study. So it's a total of 16 uh, people. It's a small study because they did a lot of investigations on these. So it's like a very expensive study, right? So you have to, they also had to have surgery to take out that piece of gut tissue. So with a sigmoidoscopy, sigmoidoscopy with like, you know, the, into the gut. So anyways, it's a small, very high quality study. So eight of those participants were given 15 grams a day of CMC. Now that is a high amount. However, they could only do the study for a short period of time because of the cost and intensity. So they wanted to really see the effects of, of it. And their, their theory is that uh, while, it's, while we're not consuming that necessarily every day, we are consuming uh, like not too less than that on over a very long-term basis. So it's like daily exposure to CMC. If you're eating bread, that's not like a fresh bakery bread or like a, a frozen bread because it doesn't have preservatives in it or emulsifiers, then you're being exposed to this every day let alone all the other things that I already mentioned, right? So um, what they found was that they uh, added this um, CMC to brownies and sorbets. So both groups got brownies and sorbets, like signing up for that study, but one group had the CMC added um, to for that total 15 grams a day. And then they compared the two groups. So they, they looked at them before the study, right after the study was done, and then followed them for one month or three months after. 
And so they took the stool samples, they took that biopsy, um, they had very, very fancy stool sample analysis, like more than what your family doctor could order. Like they did things that a functional medicine doctor would order and you have to pay for out of pocket because it's more advanced analysis. Um, so, you know, like fecal protection and all these liposaccharides, LPS and all that kind of stuff. Um, and what they did is they also looked at the blood, you know, they took blood tests, looked for inflammation, they did a lot of really great studies things. And what they found was that the group that was eating the CMC enhanced foods started to develop like a mild belly pain with eating these foods. And when they looked at the gut microbiome in the CMC group was a detectable decrease in the richness of the gut microbiome. So if, you, if your gut microbiome is like a tropical rainforest, there were trees and plants and animals dying within that rainforest. There was decreased richness of that gut microbiome. Okay? And that is a hallmark. Decreased richness of the gut microbiome is a hallmark for all of those diseases that I mentioned before. All of them. All of them. Very important finding here. And specifically, there was a complete loss, like a species loss of one type of um, organism called Krasnitsky. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and that organism, that, that strain is known to be very good for our health. And it actually helps make um, what are called short-chain fatty acids or ketones, which are very popular these days with the ketogenic diet and that kind of thing. If you have a healthy gut microbiome, your body can make its own ketones out of the fiber that you eat. But if you kill it off with things like food additives, you can no longer make these healthy ketones, um, even if you eat tons of fiber or you know have a ketogenic diet. So it's really important that, th that you really continue to pay attention to what I'm talking to you about because this matters, okay? They found that um, these people eating the CMC had decreased um, healthy short-chain fatty acids, so ketones, and decreased essential amino acids, which are the building blocks for protein in our body. That was important. And they were very surprised to see that in two participants, in, a, in just 11 days of being given this, like a very short period of time, they started to see that the gut microbiome became so dysfunctional, so unhealthy, that it started to invade the mucus that, that coats and, and protects our gut lining. And the thing is that if that were to continue, what we do know from um, other disease models is that it would then um, eat the mucus, it could then invade the gut lining, cause gut inflammation, and even start to invade our tissues. And, and that's been linked to uh, tissue invasion from the gut microbiome has been linked to things like rheumatoid arthritis, multiple sclerosis, you know, Parkinson's disease, ALS, like there's a lot of interesting links there. So in 2023, there was a big news flash. Okay, so we have this study showing that this was, a, you know, CMC is bad. And then there was this big study that looked at various other emulsifiers, not just CMC, and found that they were linked, that consuming foods that had these emulsifiers were linked to specific health conditions in humans like heart attack and stroke, really specifically. And this study is called Food Additive Emulsifiers and Risk of Cardiovascular Disease in the Nutrinet Santé Cohort. So it's a big group of people, thousands of people. They analyzed how much ultra-processed foods they were having. It's actually specifically collected the data on 
all the different emulsifiers, and they actually even looked at the different kinds of emulsifiers and which emulsifiers were more likely to cause an increased risk of heart attack and stroke. This was just published in 2023. And they, they really, really drilled down on there was just some very specific emulsifiers that were causing problems and CMC was one of them. And there were many others. So this is real. Now you would say, well, um, you know, I'm, I'm eating like organic ultra foods. Like I have an organic milk dairy product that I love to have. And it must be good for me and, you know, those things. Well, there are some um, emulsifiers that are commonly added to things like, um, you know, dairy-free milk products. And this one example is carrageenan. And carrageenan is also found in and some processed meats, but it's primarily found in, like, you know, dairy alternatives. And now it has been linked to irritable bowel syndrome and gut inflammation. That's what the research is showing. You wouldn't know that you're having this. So if you're having this dairy-free milk and you're having it every day because you think it's healthy, right? You have maybe you're trying to avoid dairy because you have a dairy sensitivity, or you think that a plant-based diet is better, right? So you're now having this uh, daily dose, and little do you know, it's slowly but surely eroding your gut health, which then affects your hormone health, right? Which can cause problems with as you mentioned before, all of the hormonal things that can come out of that. Now, why is carrageenan causing an issue? And it's interesting because there's this doctor, Joanne Pabekman. She's an associate professor of clinical medicine at the University of Illinois. She's done extensive research on carrageenan, and she says that the structure of carrageenan is so foreign to human cells that when we're exposed to it, it causes inflammation. You know, and... The problem is that when carrageenan was allowed to be in our food supply, this was not known. And now it continues to be allowed in our food supply. Actually, the Consumer Reports and the National Organic Standards Board actually called for removal of carrageenan from organic products because of its questionable safety. But the U.S. FDA said, no, we're going to continue to allow it. You know, so that's interesting. So what about other food additives? right? There was a very interesting review in 2023 called The Impact of Food Additives on the Abundance and Composition of the Gut Microbiota. And what they looked at was, you know, they try to look at all of the research on food additives and gut microbiome health. And most of the research to date has been done on animals with a few done on humans, like the ones, the one that I highlighted at the beginning. And what they found was that they found changes in the gut microbiome with preservatives like sodium benzoate, a very common preservative seen in many ultra-processed foods, sweeteners like Splenda, Xylitol, and Erythritol and Sorbitol caused changes in the gut microbiome. Sorry to say, this is really bad news for some people who really enjoy um, these artificial sweeteners. There's interestingly no significant changes with MSG, monosodium glutamate, which is kind of interesting. Um, however, colorants like the red 40 color, which gives the color red, and, and tartrazine did cause gut inflammation and it harmed the gut microbiome. Interestingly, these colorants in humans are known to cause um, hyperactive disorders in children, like ADHD. And there's been research showing that when you take a group of hyperactive ADHD children and remove Food additives, including colorants, their symptoms go away or get better like significantly. So this is big, right? 
And there is a connection between the gut microbiome and brain health, which I'm going to be showing you an interesting research on that. Emulsifier polysorbate 80 and sugar maltodextrin also cause changes. This is important because, for example, polysorbate 80 is found in things like pickles. So if you buy the wrong kind of pickles, you could be buying pickles with really bad food additives. You want the fresh pickles that are simply pickled, like in brine, you know. And um, I, you know, I've had a, I've had a really hard time finding good pickles. I did find one that had calcium chloride as the food additive, and I researched it, and I did not find anything to prove that it is harmful. But I'm very mindful to keep the consumption of that low, and I try to make my own pickles or buy at the farmer's market. But there's sometimes when you just can't find it. So, you know, you try to you try to choose the ones that have the least known harm to date and really minimize the use of things as much as possible. And here is one, ladies, and actually gentlemen as well, because just because a study was done in women, it doesn't mean that it's not applicable to men. But they did in 2023 do a very extensive research study looking at women who ate more ultra-processed foods. So they took a bunch of women, they did food diaries, they divided them into more ultra-processed foods versus less ultra-processed foods consumption, including those quote-unquote healthy protein bars, you know, those things. Um, and the ones who had more ultra-processed food consumption had less healthy gut microbiomes compared to those who did not. But what I found fascinating was that these women who ate more ultra-processed foods had what was called more leptin resistance. What is leptin resistance? It's a hormonal imbalance that causes you to crave foods and gain weight. Yeah. And it had to do with effects in the gut affecting your hormone balance. So this is big because, you know, sometimes we are at the mercy of food cravings and at the mercy of weight gain. And we don't understand why. Like, why am I gaining this weight? Why, you know, I'm eating healthy. I'm doing all these things. I'm investing in high quality, you know, organic and natural and whatever packaged foods. And here I am gaining weight and I'm craving food. And guess what? The reason could be these sneaky ultra-processed food additives. And if those were interested, it's, the study was called Differences in the Gut Microbiota of Women According to Ultra-Processed Food Consumption. And the interesting thing is if you read the title of the study, you don't get that hormone, hormonal imbalance piece, right? And for Brittany and other people who are joining me today and did not yet listen to my last episode, I go into how the gut microbiome influences and affects our sex hormones like testosterone, progesterone, estrogen. So that's how it can directly and indirectly affect our hormone balance and directly and indirectly cause these um, conditions like the endometriosis and fibroids and ovarian cysts and those kinds of things. So I want to really highlight here that even quote-unquote healthy ultra-processed foods can potentially contain harmful additives. And I'm going to do a little show and tell here. So if you're listening to me on in a podcast, I will explain. Here is a brand that I generally really enjoy. It's called Elmhurst, and they make excellent um, dairy-free milk alternatives. If you're someone who likes to add, you know, milk-like products to your coffee or your tea or your oatmeal, right? Um, and their regular milk, where it's just the regular almond milk or cashew milk, you look at the ingredient list and it's just water and the nuts, that's it. But they came out with this almond barista edition, and I have to say that I'm not impressed. 
Because if you look at the ingredient list, yes, it's filtered water, almonds, rice, but then 2% or less of cane sugar and dipotassium phosphate, which is a like a food additive, right? Meant to make this taste like smoother and creamier on the tongue compared to a regular almond milk, which is why it's called the barista edition. No bueno, right? Not good. Um, and here we go. What can you use instead? You could use the non-barista version of their dairies. Um, or maybe you're going to look for something like this. Here's a, a coconut milk um, by Earth's Choice Organic. It's gore-free, which means it does not have gore gum, which is a food additive that for some people is irritating to the gut. Okay? Um, and if you look at the ingredients, it's just organic coconut and water. Right. So you have to I honestly I don't even read anything about nutrition labels these days except for the ingredient list. Really. I mean, it's that I think it's that important. So what about wine? Who here loves wine? I've got my hand up. I love wine. However, what I found is that, yes, every wine contains sulfite. Okay? When you ferment wine. Um, it's a natural byproduct. So the small amount of sulfites in naturally fermented wine is normal. It's been around since the beginning of the make history of winemaking. However, sulfites are now being added to certain wines as preservatives and enhancers. And they need to add more to white and rose wines because they have less antioxidants naturally than dry red wine. So to keep it fresher longer, like, you know, to not have it go bad sooner, um, they need they some producers, not everybody, not all companies will add sulfites to their wine, but those who that do will add more to the white and the rose wines and less to the dry red wines. And what are sulfites? Well, when you're adding them in, it's a catch-all term for weird and wonderful chemicals like potassium bisulfate, potassium metabisulfite, sodium bisulfite, sulfur dioxide, you know, the list goes on, you know. And it's what, they, what is interesting is that sulfites have been identified as one of the priority allergens in Canada. And, and this is just Canadian data. You know, it's, it's really fascinating to me how, you know, you could be having your nice organic red wine. And if it's coming from a, a company that's adding sulfites, it could be causing problems in your health. So we have to start getting curious. And I honestly am like when I came across this research. My decision now is I'm going to call the places where I'm buying wine from and, and ask them point blank, do you add sulfites to your wine? And if the answer is yes, I'm going to look for someone else, right? I mean, it's important. Here's a few new, other news flashes. Um, food additives have been identified as a key environmental factor in the development of inflammatory bowel disease. And it does so because of the impact on the gut microbiome. And the, the title says, food additives, a key environmental factor in the development of IBD through gut dysbiosis. Gut dysbiosis is a medical term for um, problems with your gut microbiome where the bad guys are proliferating and the good guys are in lower numbers or in the wrong place. And what this shows is that this is important because guess what? In Canada, they recently just released a report in 2023 that the the rate of inflammatory bowel disease like ulcerative colitis and Crohn's is climbing drastically. And what's interesting is that I'm Brazilian by birth, 
And in Brazil, um, when I first came to Canada, in Brazil, inflammatory bowel disease was absent. In fact, it was so rare that internal medicine doctors were not trained in how to treat it. Whereas in North America, it was becoming more and more common. So it was part of the medical training. So when you had a Brazilian resident, medical doctor in training, or a Brazilian doctor move to Canada, they actually had to go additional training in how to medically treat inflammatory bowel disease because they simply did not have enough exposure or the training in Brazil because it didn't happen there. And guess what? It's Now it's happening. Now it's becoming more common in Brazil and other countries who are taking on our um, our Western our Western way of eating ultra-processed foods. And I remember when we moved from Brazil to Canada, it was like a status symbol to go from eating the whole foods to having these ultra-processed foods in our shelves. And unfortunately, what we're learning now is that it is not a status symbol. It is not an advancement in our evolution. It is not like a positive evolutionary development that we are creating these ultra-processed foods that make things shelf-stable and convenient. Unfortunately, it has become a massive setback in our development of chronic disease. And it is one of the number one pillars these, this, today. And I'm not saying this lightly. Researchers in this field are all on the same page with that. Um, doctors who are not aware of this research would not agree, and it's simply because they're not aware of this research yet, all right? So here's a few other studies that prove the point. So the impact of dietary fructose on gut permeability, microbiota, and abdominal adiposity, the, uh, the midsection waking. This has been studied. Fructose, one of the biggest sources of fructose is through high fructose corn syrup, which hides out in ultra-processed foods to give it flavor and sweetness. And there's even research showing that there's a potential for the ultra-processed food to affect our brain and behavior because of the connection between the gut microbiome and our brain. It's called the gut-brain access, the microbiome-gut-brain access. And here's a study that talks about, if you're listening to me, it's called Effects of Ultra-Processed Foods on the Microbiota-Gut-Brain Access, the Bread and Butter Issue. Why is it called the bread and butter issue? Because a lot of these food additives are found in our ultra-processed bread and in non-real butter. So all the fake butters out there, okay? Even the vegetable oil butters, all of those. So the take-home message, and listen, if, you're, if you are watching me live and you want to ask your questions, now's the time because people often make the mistake of typing in their questions towards the, too, too much towards the end. And the thing is, there's a delay between when you ask your question and I see it due to technology. So start putting in your questions now if you haven't yet already. Or, or maybe put in your aha moments. What were some aha moments for you? So here we go. Take home message. Start reading ingredient labels. What I mean by that is I'm not talking about this label here that lists out the nutrition facts like fat, carbs, protein, sodium content. I'm talking about the actual ingredient list and the ingredient list goes from the most abundant ingredient to the least. But what we're showing is that even in small amounts, these food additives, especially certain ones, can be very harmful. Start replacing those ultra-processed foods with minimally processed or unprocessed foods. So for example, this coconut milk is processed we're not saying it's not. They had to take it out of the coconut, right? 
and they had to blend it and mix it with water. It's minimally processed. That's what I'm talking about. And even things like tomato sauce, like pasta sauce, there is some pasta sauce that is very good quality. It just has tomatoes, olive oil, salt, herbs. And then there's other ones that have the weirdest and most wonderful ingredients added in. If it's a chemical word that you do not recognize, until you become more familiar with which ones are okay, which ones are not, just stay away from it. One, um, one ingredient that you may not recognize that is relatively okay is called um, citric acid, which is a kind of a vitamin C. And it is a synthetic vitamin C, so some people are not so happy with that one either. But at least it's um, it's not as bad as like in terms of its chemical composition as others. And the other one is lactic acid. So lactic acid is uh, also a natural byproduct fermentation. So as long as it's not added in really high amounts, it's you know uh, relatively safer as far as what I can tell from what I'm reading in the research. Mostly everything else. Just do your best to minimize it. And I know it's hard to go from a bit, you know, zero to hero, right? Um, just choose a couple of things, especially the things that you're eating every day. So if you're drinking wine occasionally on the weekend, like a glass of wine here or going to a restaurant having a glass of wine, I, I personally do that, right? I'm not going to go to a restaurant and ask the person there, like, excuse me, do you, you know, is this added sulfite? Or, you know, that's going to be annoying for yourself and for others around you. It's okay in the occasional quantity. It's the daily thing. So look at your protein bar. Look at your protein powders. Look at your favorite granola bars and breakfast cereals and what have you. And just start getting savvy on um, replacing those with whole foods. Now, next week, we're going to be diving into common medications that you and even ones that you probably have used in the last month or so, like over-the-counter medications that seriously harm your gut microbiome and what you can use instead. So for example, pain control, right? Like menstrual pain or headaches or, you know, like achy muscles, all those things that come up every now and then. There are some medications that even one dose can be like a bomb going off in your gut. Don't want to drop bombs in your gut. It's really bad for your health. So be sure to join me next week. I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you, everybody who joined me today. I appreciate your participation. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night, depending on when you catch this. And please, if you enjoyed this, please save, share, subscribe. Definitely share. Sharing is caring. And you want more people in your life to become aware of this very important information. So I'll catch you next time. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe and please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you and I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you
you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. <laughs>